This is your host, Vernon Terrell, with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back. We're picking up where we left off last week with Yolanda James, and she is telling us her story. And if you missed the first part, go back and listen uh, so you can get caught up as Yolanda continues where she's having the conversation uh, with her son who is uh, early 20s and just really uh, in trouble with drugs and other things. And it's just getting to the point that Yolanda and her husband have to exercise tough love. And here's what that sounded like. Uh, We're no longer going to be in your life because we can't do this with you anymore. Uh, We were heavily in debt because of all the things that we, the therapy and everything that we tried to help him with. Um, And so we hung up the phone. I validated him and, you know, reminded him how much we love him And I said, if you ever change your mind, just call me. But in the meantime, don't come to the house, don't text, and don't phone us. And that's the way it was. And I thought it was going to be like that for years and years and years because he was pretty hardcore. Um, After five months, uh, I got a call from him and he said, Mom, I need to talk to you about what's going on in my life, what God is doing, and your offer to send me somewhere to get clean and get help. So I told him he could come over, and we sat outside in the backyard, and he told me all about it. And you know what, Vernon? Undoubtedly, God was like the hound of heaven pursuing this boy. Mm. And um, and Ben said, I have had enough. He said, I can't live this way anymore. And I want to change my life. Will you help me? So, I mean, you know, what do you think I said? Yeah, mm. <laughs> let's do this thing. So God led me to a great place in Tennessee. And uh, we sent him. Uh, extremely expensive. Um, but they worked with us, uh, it, but you know we were already in debt, so this just added to the debt. And my feeling was, you know, I don't want to have any regrets that we didn't do everything we could to help him. So he went, and he was there for a month, and then in the second month they had a family day, and so Ken and I flew out to Tennessee to take part in the family day. And, um, and it was, it was pretty grueling because they, you know, it's, it's not just the, the, um, the therapeutic help is not just for the, what I call the inmate or the patient, it's Mm -hmm. also the family. So, um, while we were there and really, as I looked back, I started seeing signs that there was something wrong with Ken. And when we were at the um, the recovery place, um, Ken 
could not drive. He was going driving over curbs. He couldn't back out of a parking space. Mm. His driving on the uh, interstate was erratic. It. I was becoming very alarmed. And so um, we finished out the family weekend. And, you know, Ben had come to me, said, what is wrong with dad? I said, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm going to take him to the emergency room as soon as we get home, which I did. And that's when the nightmare, well, I was already in a nightmare, mm-hmm. nightmare with Benjamin, but that's when the nightmare really got dark. And um, I took him to the ER. Uh, they asked me about his symptoms. As soon as I told him, them all his symptoms, they, they admitted him and, um, and then immediately did a CT scan on him. Long story short is he had developed a terminal brain tumor, a glioblastoma um, level, what do they call it? Level five. I can't, can't even remember now. And, um, and, you know, it's like everything stopped and like this dark cloud just came over me. And I don't even think, I think I was in shock. I don't think I really fully understood what was going on until his surgery. And so um, Ken was admitted to Johns Hopkins and they scheduled him first for, for a biopsy and then for a tumor removal. And he died 10 months later after three surgeries, chemo and radiation. So mind you, soon as Ken was diagnosed, I was really afraid to tell Benjamin because I didn't know what he would do. Um, So I waited until he had completed two months. I told him that his dad was very sick and needed surgery. And um, he came, Ben wanted to come home. He really needed to stay there for, I would say, a good five or six months. But he came home. God did miraculous things with this young man while he was an inpatient there. And his love for Jesus was rekindled. He was determined to stay clean and to change his life. And, you know, he cleaned out his phone of contacts, started going to church and uh, got involved with the college age group. And, you know, all was going fine until uh, I guess this would have been, um, he was diagnosed the end of the week of Thanksgiving, 2014. And that was such a horrible holiday uh, because of Ken's condition. And then uh, he had his first surgery beginning of December and um, and that's when Ben came home. Um, things started getting really difficult for him to accept that his father was going to die because the all the treatment would have maybe prolonged his life to a year or a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But he was 67 years old and there was no way he was going to conquer this. So... Um, 
he stopped chemo and radiation in May of 15. And on August 8th, he went to be with Jesus. So um, I give, excuse me, I get really emotional when I talk about this. Um, I know. Ken was um, the love of my youth. Um, We met when I was 24, right after I came to faith in Jesus. Uh, He came to faith several years later in a church that we started going to. And, um, And so we'd been through a lot. He was a wonderful husband and father. Uh, There was nothing he wouldn't do for any of us. Um, He was the kind of guy that had no enemies. Everybody loved him in the military. And then after retirement, he worked at the National Institutes of Health for 15 years. Uh, In our faith community, everybody loved Ken. Mm. And so uh, when he died, What happened to me, Vernon, is that I realized that, and this really caught me by surprise because, you know, my ministry is all about teaching people their identity in Christ and, and how to experience Jesus as their life. And I'd been living that way for over 27 years. Well, no, it wasn't 27 then. It was uh, maybe... 18 or 19. And so what I discovered was I was getting my identity out of my husband and being married. Mm. And the moment that that marriage ended, and, and I remember this like it was yesterday, I had to go to NIH to speak with the guy who was in charge of death benefits and setting up the the widow or widower uh, mm-hmm. financially and all of that sign all the paperwork and and he looked at me and he said you are no longer Mrs. Stith and that just really cut like a knife through my heart. What do you mean I'm no? I've been married to this man for 26 years. That was my life. We did ministry together. We did everything together, and suddenly it's gone. It's all gone. And, um, and that's when the Lord took me on the grief journey. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, that was hard. Uh, but I have to say that um, my faith in Christ and my dependency on him grew exponentially as a result of Ken's death. And actually, Benjamin's motivation to stay clean and to get his life in order um, and to live his life to make his dad proud, that was his motivation Mm. as well. So it's kind of like out of the ashes, God birthed new life in me and in my, my kids. Wow. The Lord does not waste anything. He uses it all for our good. Mm-hmm. That's now that's a story, and it you took all of that, all of the fun uh, back in your youth, if you will, and the good times, and you took mm-hmm. the pain, mm-hmm. and you took all of that, and you put it together in one cohesive story in your book. Yeah, 
Yeah. And would you say uh, this, um, uh, and your story, uh, you've got new chapters oh, that yeah. are being written. Uh, Benjamin is, is doing well right now? Ben is doing great. He got married four and a half years ago, uh, actually to a, a girl who he knew when he was in high school. They weren't at the same high school, but they were in youth group together at the Messianic Congregation. And uh, she has Jewish roots. And so she was raised in a Messianic family. And um, they got married. Um, and so I think this was uh, two years after Ken died. They got married and they now have three children. One was hers mm. from a previous relationship. And she's the, she, the girl. And then Ben had a child out of wedlock and he eventually got custody of Jacob. And then they just had a baby back in December together. So they have three children. They're adorable. Uh, they live about five minutes from me. He's doing great in work and she's doing great. And, you know, it's just, and it didn't, it didn't just happen because after the years of Ken's death, Ben struggled. He struggled mentally. He missed his father. He hated himself for wasting 10 years of his life that he could have spent with his dad. Um, and so he still struggles today with his dad's death, but uh, he's working on it. He's doing uh, some therapy and uh, dealing with his feelings and his loss and needing to forgive himself and forgive God and, and, and all of that. So he's still working it out. For me, uh, by year four, I had decided that, you know what, Yolanda, you cannot live the rest of your life. Um, and I had to be here for my kids. I mean, mm -hmm. that was, that was, there was no option there. You cannot live your life for however long that's going to be uh, in the past and grieving the past. You can't do that. That is unhealthy and you're never going to heal. And so um, I just one day decided I've got to build a new life because the life I had no longer exists. Mm. And, you know, most of my friends are married and that's a whole nother challenge when you become a widow or even a widower. Um, and so I was lonely and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try meeting people. So I, for about a year and a half, I did some of the online dating sites, which were horrific. You're braver uh, than I. I think I got on one with the fake profile and I uh -huh. saw people I knew. I said, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh -uh. It, I'm it, gone. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. I will tell you that. So I'm, I'm pretty courageous person. I, you know, if I make up my mind to do something or there's something that's required of me, you know, I will just press into the Lord and do it. And I just felt like God was leading me. So I learned a lot about that experience, but I was, you know, after a year and a half of 12 coffee dates, that was it. <laughs> one, 12 one-time coffee dates. I thought, you know what? I am never going to meet somebody 
until the Lord brings the right man into my life. That's mm-hmm. all. So, um, and he did. One month later, I go online and I see in my inbox on this site, dating site, that some man left me a heart and I checked it out and read his profile, saw his picture and I thought, whoa. And uh, he talked about his faith in Christ. He talked about uh, all the things he loved doing. And I thought this, this, this is, this is it. This is a, this is a good, Hmm. something's going to happen here. But then I saw that he lived in Cincinnati. And so that's kind of like Nazareth. Can anything good come from Cincinnati? I actually, no no offense to Cincinnatians. Yeah, I know. You know what? It's really a lovely city. So we started communicating uh, every day, all throughout the day and night. And after about 10 days, um, we'd start FaceTiming and we'd FaceTime for hours. And I, it was awesome because, see, you really get to know a person when you have a month of just, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them online and talking with them and discovering each other and sharing things about yourself. And I told him about my book and he asked if I would uh, send him a signed copy. So I did. So he learned all about me in just one reading. <laughs> and um we decided to uh, make an in-person date, and he was going to fly to D.C. for, um, this was in 2020. We met in December of 19. And so he came for New Year's Eve. He stayed for three days, and uh, that was it. We both knew this is the person mm. for me. So we ended up... Uh, he ended up moving here. He had to move here in haste because in March, the pandemic started. Right. And, you know, up until then, we were both flying back and forth on weekends to spend time together. And um, <laughs> here's the best part, Vern, and you'll, you'll love this. The first time we saw each other in person when he flew to D.C., for New Year's Eve, um, he we were at my house and he was staying at a hotel nearby, but we were at my house hanging out and I was up in my office and I said, Michael, I said, you need to come upstairs. I need to show you something. So he comes upstairs in my office and I sat him down and I said, I want to share some things with you and hear what you think about it. So I went through all of the life and cross diagrams and gave him a Bible, had him look up verses. His eyes were like two giant saucers. He said, how come I never learned this in church? Now, he was raised Episcopal, Episcopalian. And uh, when he got married, I think he was maybe late 20s or close to 30, somewhere in there, maybe 28. And out of college, he met somebody, they got married. She was Catholic. She was very Catholic. And um, and so, you know, he went along with her and to church and the kids were went to Catholic school and all of that. 
But when I started sharing with him what the real gospel is and all the issues within denominations and even the Catholic Church, I mean, this man, you could have knocked him over with the feather. He just could not believe it. So that was a divine appointment for him. And uh, it completely transformed him. He's read tons of our books, mm-hmm. um, not to mention mine. He went with me and my staff to the uh, Network 220 convention last year, loved it. And so God was so faithful because, A, I wasn't looking to remarry. I never, I just did not believe that there would ever be anybody in this world to compare to Ken Stith. Mm-hmm. And, um, Not to mention how my children would react. And so, um, but I wanted to date and I wanted to have fun and, you know, develop some relationships. And, um, and so, you know, the God of surprises had picked Michael for me and me for him. And it's amazing how perfect we were suited for each other. I just love that. That's, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that is a total, what a way to, and I won't say in the story, but what a way how God just takes all of this hurt and all of this pain and says, yeah, I love you. And it's okay. You can enjoy life. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. Exactly. Yes. He, he created us to enjoy him and to enjoy life. And so um, it, it's it's different because he and I, you know, Michael is 70 and I'm 67 next month. And so it's different. You know, we've lived our lives. We raised our children. We learned a lot mm. about life and about parenting and relationships and all of that. And so I think what's special about this relationship is that um, not only do we have so much in common, especially our faith, but also, um, we worked out all the bugs, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? And you can see it, and you can see yeah. from from history and from experience, you can see a little bit. You got a little f- a warning when something's about to hit, and you can mitigate some of the things just because you've lived life. Yeah, and, and you don't learned. get hung up on all the petty stuff no. that you do when you're young. No, so, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so that's my story in a nutshell. Let me ask you if, Mm -hmm. in the midst of when you're, when you were in, if you can just think about when you were in the midst of those 10 years or so with Benjamin and this life is really hard, or when you've got the diagnosis and you're in the midst of that with Ken, and, and could, what could someone have said to you or come alongside and said to you, or is there anything? someone could have done to help you through that, Mm -hmm. that maybe you could give a word of encouragement if someone is going through that right now? Well, uh, I'm not sure there's anything anybody could have said that would have made a difference. There's things I wish they hadn't said. Like what? Like, well, you'll see Ken again when you go to heaven or, or, you know, well, at least you have another child. And, you know, my daughter, Rachel, who 
is the stay at home, you know, do everything right child. Um, Mm, Not helpful. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just, just, uh, they're kind of like bumper, uh, bumper car kind of sticker statements that people say because they don't know what else to say. So that was painful and made me angry. Um, I didn't like being called a widow. Um, I was trying to find my identity as a single woman now because I'd really only been married. And um, But I have to say that what got me through those 10 years and then, you know, the, the years of grieving my loss of my husband is uh, my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And uh, if it weren't for that, you know, I'd already ha- had a, and I talk about this in the book, a suicide attempt in my 20s, my early mm-hmm. 20s, before I came to faith. And I certainly contemplated it during all those years because I was just hanging by a thread. But God's grace was always available to me. Prayers were always answered. Doors were always opened. I mean, God was actively engaged and moving in my life with me and my husband and and then me after he died. And so after Ken died, I wasn't angry with God. I was angry with God during that 10-year wilderness experience with my son. And I resolved that. That got resolved. And I tell the story about how in Valley Life, but it's a miraculous story. Um, It's it's almost unbelievable. You've got to read the book, people. So there's no spoilers here. So... uh, it, it, that's how I resolved my anger with God and came to understand grace in a much bigger way than I even had at that time. And so when Ken died, yeah, it was devastating. It was devastating. I wanted to die. I was very depressed. I had a hard time, you know, just picking up, being alone. I'd never been alone. And, uh, but when, you know, when I would, when those thoughts and feelings would come to me, I just pressed into the Lord and would give it to him. And he just got me through it every day, just one day at a time. And um, I and remember he, thinking in that for my situation, yeah. uh, when my wife passed away and, with, and all the cancer stuff, and I mm-hmm. kept thinking, well, Lord, why me? I'm serving. I'm loving, I'm teaching your truth, I'm doing this, and why me? And and the Lord, it's and I'm sure he didn't say this, but the thought came back, so well, why not you? Well, that's exactly what God said to me. Yeah, why not you? I says, right. I'm with you in the good and I'm with you through the challenges. That's I never right. leave you. Yep. And you know, you know this because of what you do and also what you experience, but whenever bad things happen, God is blamed. Always. Yeah. Always. And you know what? Cancer is the blame for me. Uh-huh. Cancer is is what God didn't. Well, God killed your wife. No, he didn't. God didn't kill my wife. God actually healed my wife. Right. She's healed right now. Yeah. Um, you know? You yeah. say, well, aren't you mad that God didn't physically heal her? Did you pray? Yeah, I prayed for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And did that happen? No. Does that mean God didn't exist? No. All that means is God didn't heal her. He's going to still use all this for my good, for her good, for all of our good. I don't know how, but that's where I trust him. I trust that he is. And Mm -hmm. I could say on the other side that he did. Mm -hmm. But life, life, you know, life is not easy. This world is fallen. Mm -hmm. There's sin and sickness and illness and there's hate and there's, but there's also free will. Benjamin said, I don't want to go. Okay. God's, that was his choice at that time. Yeah. He wasn't ready to go. But God got him ready in five months. (laughs) Absolutely. He got, and and Ben chose. Uh Uh-huh. Said, yeah, "Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. So, um, Here's something a little, I'll kind of end with this, but a little uh, antidote is that after Ken died, I don't know how long it was after, certainly within the first year, Benjamin, uh, you know, he was living with me and uh, he said to me, mom, I think, I think uh, God allowed this to happen to dad in order to save my life. He said, um, dad was like the, um, the sacrificial lamb that God used to um, bring Ben to the end of himself, which is an ongoing process today, and to, uh, to save him because he had so many near-death experiences. And I'd known parents who lost their, their sons from overdose, from... Mm-hmm drug deals gone bad, you know, uh, he spent 19 months in jail. That was no, you know, picnic. And it had a lasting impact on him. But Ken's death, all, all of that is what woke him up. As hard as it's been to move past it uh, and, and find healing, he believed that it was... Uh, his father sacrificed his life, even though it wasn't his choice. How it all came about is what motivated Ben to change. And what is it? Uh, greater love has no one mm-hmm. than when a man lays down his life for his friends or his family. Yep. And uh, well, this has been a great, uh, uh, a great time together just hearing your story, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging others in that. Uh, if you want to know more, how can they get in touch with you or find more about uh, your ministry or your book? Okay. So my book, Valley Life by Yolanda Cohen Stith, uh, is available on Amazon in uh, a uh, paperback on Kindle and also Audible. And, um, and you can get a hold of me or, or through the ministry, uh, newheartliving.com. Um, and yeah, we, we just, again, we serve, New Heart Living serves the uh, entire U.S. and Canada. And we always have Canadian clients. It's interesting. I'm not mm. sure why, but we do, we have a connection with some churches up there and then a retreat community. So, um, so we often get clients and um, yeah, I would just say if you're struggling with something in your life 
Um, whether it's similar to my experience or worse or, or just, you know, things that um, are difficult, you know, the enemy will do everything he can to convince you not to go to counseling, not to read a book, not to go or do anything where he knows that the jig is going to be up on him. Mm. So um, I encourage you to trust Jesus, that he's got a path for you, and it's a good one. And like I always say, God's always got a plan, but so do I, but his plans always trump mine. (laughs) Well, with that, uh, let me thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to talk and, uh, and encourage us. And as uh, I say on the podcast uh, all the time, uh, we call the podcast Walking Free. And let me tell you, uh, walking and experiencing Christ is different than just talking about it. And um, it is truly a walk of faith. So I'm going to encourage everyone here to stop talking about it and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.